0: Good morning. Good morning. I'm Michael Flake, one of the pastors here. Good to be together this morning virtually as a church family. Whether you are cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus, there is room for you here. This is a safe place to learn, to grow, and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. As Matt said earlier, this is uh, Sunday number six of our Facebook Live I kind of feel like a restaurant that's trying to figure out how to do takeout and has never done takeout before. We're going to figure it out. Uh, there are churches that do these kind of broadcasts every week, and they're real slick with them. They've had time to work work all the bugs out, uh, and I, I think we're, we're starting to get there. So I, I just want to, our, our goal for ourselves is not to be super slick, to be true to who we are, but at the same time, each week, take some steps forward. That's what we ask of you, right? It's what we ask of ourselves. It's not show up one week and then be in charge of the church the next week. It's just show up and keep taking steps forward. That's the same thing we ask of ourselves. So thank you for making it a priority to be here Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock live on uh, beautiful Facebook Live. Other thank yous are in order. Thank you to our staff who put together a really great uh, D note that went out on Thursday of ways to receive help, but also give help during this time. If you did not receive that note, please let us know. But the the bulk of it is really just an encouragement to, there are some formal opportunities, but a lot of it is how to uh, be be actively, kindly involved in the lives of people who are already in your spheres of influence. How to be a minister where you are. So I just encourage you to really uh, dig into that and see, see how God might stir you. The other thank you I need to give is to those of you who are uh, continuing to, to financially support the ministry of the church. This, in this time of job loss, uh, we are even more reliant on the generous and faithful gifts of those who are able to give. And so thank you. Uh, for, whether it's been online, people have been mailing us checks, having their banks mail us checks. If you need a field trip, you can always slide your tither offering under the door of our church office at the cotton mill. We would, uh, we will be sure to, to see it. So thank you for continuing to support the ministry of our church that way. We are starting a new series of sermons today on uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is a, a Bible verse from Galatians chapter 5. And this is actually the series we had planned to do after Easter Um And we figured it still made sense to do. So we're going to move forward with it. So today I'm going to give you more an overview of how this whole thing fits in. Like who is the Holy Spirit and how does the fruit of the Holy Spirit fit into the larger whole of the Christian faith. So today's more the big picture. And then in the subsequent weeks we'll really dive in to what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is and how to cultivate it in our lives. But I want to start today where what Ryland read for us earlier in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Uh, it begins by saying, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, if what you'll notice there is it's addressed to this dude named Theophilus. So there's one other book of the Bible addressed to Theophilus, and that's the book of Luke. So what we know is that the book of the Bible called Luke, which is about the life of Jesus, and the book of the Bible called Acts, which is about the growth of the early church, written by the same guy. They were both written by by Luke. And he wrote them to someone named Theophilus. Theophilus means lover of God. So it may just be that the books were written to anybody who loved God. Or there may have been a really rich dude named Theophilus who gave Luke, you know, was sort of Luke's patron, gave him the money to write the book. We don't know. But we know this book is addressed to Theophilus. And Luke points out the former book he wrote, Luke, was about what Jesus did, that Jesus lived and suffered if you didn't say suffered at your where are you people suffered died, died. and never I forget did. this part resurrected. resurrected that's from last week if you missed easter but that was last week that jesus lived suffered died and never forget this part resurrected so now in acts luke is going to bring us up on what happened after that verse 3 says after his suffering after jesus suffering he presented himself to his disciples and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So that's an interesting thing that after Jesus was resurrected, it's not just he resurrected, said hey to a few people and then went on his way. He, stood wi- he was with his disciples. He was seen by hundreds of people, gave them convincing proofs that he was really alive and did this for 40 days. During those 40 days, he taught them about the kingdom of God. In other words, not just how to get to heaven, but that heaven is also coming to earth and how to be part of that, that part of God's plan. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them the command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus promises, again, that he's going to send the Holy Spirit to his disciples. Verse 6, they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Like, is this when you're going to bring lasting peace to the earth? Is it going to be that you lived and suffered and died and resurrected and then you brought the final peace? Is that what's going to happen? Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. So sometimes folks will want us to do a series of sermons like on the end of the world. Teach us about what the Bible says about the end of the world. I'm about to tell you the series right here. Nobody knows when the end of the world is going to be. That's what Jesus says in Acts 1-7, end of series. Congratulations. Congratulations. So we don't know when the end of the world is going to be. That's how Jesus answered his, his disciples. Uh, and then he moves on to verse 8, which is the, the, the verse that kind of I want to spend some time on this morning. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So what Luke is trying to point out to us here at the beginning of Acts is we we know from, from other parts of the Bible, this is the major theme of Christmas, Jesus has always been But he came to earth where he lived, he suffered, he died, he'd never forget this part, resurrected. And then he ascended. He left the earth and returned to the presence of God. And that's kind of where we pause. What's eventually going to happen at a time that only God knows is that Jesus is going to return and bring in the lasting peace. So right now, we live between the ascension of Jesus and the return of Jesus. And between the ascension of Jesus and the return of Jesus, there's a, there's a fascinating work happening to, to spread out the work and the ministry of Jesus. And the person behind that spread is named God the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit you may not know much about the Holy Spirit or what you think you know or do know about the Holy Spirit may seem a little scary and not something you get overly excited about. So who is the Holy Spirit? Who is God the Holy Spirit? And and what is his work in this world? Because what we see throughout the Bible is that when people would put their faith in Jesus, they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you were to say, I am a Christian, that's the same thing as saying, I am filled with the Holy Spirit. If you ever in your future become a Christian, when you do, in the moment that happens, you will be filled with God the Holy Spirit. So what is it that God the Holy Spirit does? Well, I want us to turn our attention to Acts 1, verse chapter 1, verse 8, which says this. This is Jesus teaching. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what is it that the Holy Spirit does? The disciples are standing there. They've walked with Jesus. They've messed it up more than they've got it right. And now Jesus says, and now you guys are going to be in charge. And if you're the disciples, that's some very scary news. We're going to be in charge. Except he says, you're not going to be responsible for what's happening. You're not going to be the power behind what's about to happen. Who's going to be the power behind what's about to happen? The Holy Spirit. Most times I ask a question in this sermon, the answer is going to be the Holy Spirit. So God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, is going to come and he is going to empower the continuation of the ministry of Jesus, empower the continuation of the work. Of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, it's going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and and then what he says is you'll what that work is is that you, my disciples, you, my followers, are going to be my witnesses. That's going to happen in Jerusalem, like where you are, Judea, the area surrounding that, Samaria, a place that's nearby, but you've been raised to not like those people, and then the very ends of the earth. And thank God that the scope of this is to the very ends of the earth, because I don't live anywhere near Jerusalem, Judea, or Samaria. I don't know that you do either. We know some folks who watch from Hungary, that's a little closer, but still far. The fact that Jesus tells them to go to the ends of the earth with the ministry, the message of Jesus, is good news to all of us, because that's how it gets to us, that we are part of what Jesus is saying here, but we're the ends of the earth part. And yet, by God's grace, this message has come to us, too. So the truth is, God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life. You don't have to do all of Acts 1-8, but your purpose in life, what God has made you for, is wrapped up in being a witness for Jesus, a minister in Jesus' name, an ambassador of Jesus' love, of his grace, of his truth. You've been given, if you when you put your faith in Christ, if you ever come to put your faith in Christ, you're given a message, the message of Jesus, that there is hope, there is boundless hope at the feet of Jesus. You're given a ministry, the ministry of saying, we do want people to go to heaven and be with God, but we also want people to taste heaven while they're on earth. We want people to have snapshots, bursts, tastes of heaven, of heaven coming to earth. Through the, through the work, through the love, through the grace, through the truth of people who follow Jesus. So my point being, the part of the purpose of your life is helping people, including yourself, grow closer to God. When you help your kids grow closer to God, when you help a friend grow closer to God, when you help your parents grow closer to God, when you help a neighbor or a coworker or a schoolmate, what are those? When you you help anybody grow closer to God, a spouse, when you help one more person grow closer to God, your life begins to line up with the purpose and plan Jesus has for your life because what did he tell you as his disciple? The Holy Spirit is going to empower you to be my witness, my ambassador, my minister throughout this world. I would just say if you are not a Christian, but you're exploring the Christian faith, the Holy Spirit may help to account for some of what you see in Christians. There are certainly Christians who are distinctive in, in maybe not good ways or not ways that make you excited about being a Christian. But there are also Christians, I imagine part of why you tuned in today, it is that there are Christians who the way they live is different, but in a refreshing way. How do they do that? Where do they get the, the, the how, how could they pull this off? The Bible says they're not doing it on their own that they're being empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a different kind of life, a life that points you and other people to Jesus, who lived and died and, and oop I forgot it wrong, who lived and suffered and died and never forget this part resurrected, who ascended and will one day on God's timetable return and bring in a lasting peace so the Holy Spirit empowers the ministry of Jesus to continue to this day. How does the Holy Spirit do that? That's what I want to look at today. I'm going to have four points. The fourth point, if you're real, really paying attention, we'll set up the rest of the series. But how does the Holy Spirit continue to empower the ministry of Jesus even today? Here we go. Number one, number one, number, 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 number one. The Holy Spirit reveals God's grace and truth to people. The Holy Spirit reveals God's grace and truth to people. Second Peter chapter 1 says, 121, says, Prophecy never had its origin in the human will. This is referring to prophecy in the Bible. Prophecy never had its origin in the human will. Prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but why is it that we even have the Bible to start with and why is it that we can read the Bible and get anything out of it? The answer is, who is responsible for that? The Holy, the Holy Spirit, they all said. The Holy Spirit. Now, the people, who, the Bible did not fall out of heaven with the price tag attached, right? Like people, actual human beings, wrote down the books that we now call the Bible. But what the Scripture says is when they were writing those things, even though they wrote in their own language, they wrote with their own vocabulary, Their writings were grabbed a hold of. They were arrested by the Holy Spirit such that they didn't just write their own thoughts, but they actually wrote the very Word of God. They wrote all that God desires us to have so that we can be the people He's always intended us to be. So that's often called the inspiration of the Bible. This is not going to be on the test. You don't have to remember this, but it's called the inspiration of the Bible. And then when you and I actually read the Bible, If the Holy Spirit were not there, we could read the words and go, well, that's interesting. But the Spirit does something else. The Spirit illuminates the Bible, which means he opens up our minds, he opens up our hearts so that we can receive the truth and the grace of the Bible in and be changed by it. So the Holy Spirit is is the principal mover in, in bringing the Scripture together so that we can continue to be changed by it. Part of the, what you may be aware if you've been around for any time is that we as a church support missionaries who are translating the Bible into a language it's never been translated into. There are thousands of languages that still don't have a copy of the Bible. And so part of our support as a church goes to supporting those missionaries to translate the Bible into a new language because there's great power in reading the grace and truth out of the Bible. And who's responsible for all that? The Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. Number two, what does the Holy Spirit do? How does the Holy Spirit empower the ministry of Jesus forward? Number two, the Holy Spirit comforts us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit comforts us in our weakness. Romans chapter eight says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Have you ever been at the place where you just don't know what to pray for? Or you don't even feel like you have the strength to pray for anything? What the scripture tells us is that the Holy Spirit is our comforter in weakness. Now, when I think of a comforter today, I think of like one of those big old blankets that you wrap up in and you just lay there. That's actually a pretty useful analogy for what the the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is our comforter wraps around us so that we can rest even in our weakness and in the moments we don't know what to pray for the scripture says the holy spirit prays for us so no matter what you're going through today you need to know somebody is praying for you and in fact it's the most amazing somebody imaginable (laughs) the god of the universe is praying for you God, the Holy Spirit, is asking for what you need when you don't know what to ask for. So the Holy Spirit comforts us in our weakness. Being a Christian is not just about always appearing strong. The Holy Spirit empowers the ministry of Jesus even today by comforting us in our weakness. Number three, the Holy Spirit gives people gifts so that they might serve others. The Holy Spirit gives gifts so that we might serve others. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, a lot of the gifts the Holy Spirit gives are very ordinary gifts, the ability to administrate, the ability to preach, the ability to teach, the ability to show extraordinary mercy. Sometimes the Spirit gives gifts that are very supernatural. Those get a little more press clippings, but but in my experience are not the most often given gifts. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just give us gifts. The Holy Spirit also has to change our hearts and change our minds to desire to use these gifts for something bigger than ourselves. Because when we commit ourselves to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. The Holy Spirit brings housewarming presents, gifts with us. But initially, we may still think my life is chiefly about me. My life is chiefly about getting what I need. As we continue to grow up in our faith, what we begin to realize is, no, no, my, my life is, is about being a minister of Jesus. My life is about being an ambassador, a witness of Jesus, of the hope that can be found in Jesus, and, and to bring the, the ministry and message of Jesus to people in very tangible, life-changing ways. So, so as, as I'm realizing my life is less about me, it's more about living a life that points people to God I also realize all these gifts that I have or these few gifts that I have or whatever are not just for me and and getting what I need out of them. They are chiefly in my life. Their original purpose is for me to be a minister, a messenger, an ambassador, a witness in Jesus' name. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does. Not only the giving of gifts, but the changing of our hearts, the changing of our minds to want to use the gifts God's put in our lives to serve other people. And so this kind of gets me moving towards uh, point number four, um, which I'll tell a little story before. When I was in seminary, and I've told this story a few times, so you may have heard it. When I was in seminary, I went to a startup church and that ultimately failed. It had to close its doors. I guess it didn't fail, but it had to close its doors. God, God never fails, but it did have to close its doors. And this should make you feel wonderful and secure here at Lake Forest Davidson. <laughs> the church was doing great, and I showed up, and uh, you can't you can't find it today, so after I, that church had to close its doors i um I went to start going to a Pentecostal church, and a Pentecostal church is a church that really majors on the holy Spirit and the minister there uh, was a very kind man of uh, he actually it was a large church, and he he met with me monthly, which he had no need to have to do. I just wanted to meet with him once, uh, but he wanted to meet with me monthly, so a very kind man. Uh, but he said this one thing in a sermon. I'll, I'll never forget it. Um, he said, the Holy Spirit is not here to make you collapse over a pew. <laughs> Though you might. You know, he was really energetic. <laughs> um, the Holy Spirit is not here to make you collapse over a pew. <laughs> Though you might. The Holy Spirit is here to make you more like Jesus. And I was like, that man knows more about the Holy Spirit than I do. I'm going to remember that. So that gets me to point number four, number four, number, 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 point number four. The Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus. <laughs> the Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus. And this is the passage we're going to study for the next weeks. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because remember the big picture. What is the chief thing that the Holy Spirit is doing? The Holy Spirit is powering forward the work of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the message of Jesus, here and far and to the very ends of the world with people we were raised to not like and people who are very much like us. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so if our role in that is to be a witness to Jesus, a minister for Jesus, an ambassador for Jesus, who do we need to become more like? We need to become more like Jesus. The answer was not the Holy Spirit at that time. We need to become more like Jesus. Because think about it. When an ambassador says, to, you know, let's say a uh, U.S. Ambassador Jones goes to whatever country she's an ambassador to and says, you jokers are crazy. The paper doesn't say, Ambassador Jones says you people are crazy. The newspaper says, the United States says you jokers are crazy. The ambassador represents the larger whole. And so if we're to be ambassadors, witnesses, ministers to Jesus, we don't have to stop being ourselves, but Jesus is going to pull us to become a little more like him. And so God, the Holy Spirit, wants to transform us, transform us to make us more like Jesus. And this begins to account for some of the changes we see in our lives. We begin to see in our lives what I call bursts of Jesus. And it's not us doing those bursts of Jesus. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. You may not be perfect. I may not be perfect. But every once in a while, our lives can offer a little burst of Jesus to somebody who needs it. A little burst of Jesus to one more person. In the midst of a life that's been interrupted, we can experience a burst of love. Or maybe we'll be overwhelmed by a burst of joy, overcome by a burst of peace. When a person is, is being annoying, maybe we'll be overcome by a burst of Jesus called patience. Or if a person is being really ugly about something, a burst of Jesus might be kindness. When we're in a situation where we think we should take the low road, a burst of Jesus might be faithfulness or goodness. When we don't feel like doing the right thing or we want to do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing or be the wrong thing, a burst of Jesus is self control I love that it's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? It's a tree image that that your life or my life is like a tree. You pick what kind of tree you want to be. Uh, I've been doing enough yard work. I can pick a bunch of trees to be. But whatever kind of tree you are, the the life of the tree comes from deep inside. That's the Holy Spirit filling us, empowering us. But because it's fruit, there is a bit of sense of which this is cultivation, that, that that a, a tree, a, a vine, a garden, or whatever, uh, the hard work of it is nature's to do. But there is still some stuff for us to do. Same thing with the fruit of the Spirit. The hard work of the fruit of the Spirit is, is the work of God, the Holy Spirit. But there still is a piece for us to do. There still is some cultivation on our part. So so cultivating the fruit of the Holy Spirit, this kind of character transformation the Bible is talking about is a partnership between you and God, the Holy Spirit, between a follower of Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit. Now it's not an equal partnership. Holy Spirit's part of the partnership. You're part of the partnership, but it's a partnership. So I don't want to be misunderstood. Being reconciled to God through Jesus is not a partnership. That is the gracious work of God. Reaching out to you, reaching out to me in our struggles, in what the Bible would call our lostness, in our wanderings away from God. Reaching out to us and calling us home. It's a gift. We cannot earn reconciliation to God. We don't deserve it. It's a gift. It's something we receive. It's not a partnership. It's a gift. But once we receive the gift, Once we are welcomed into God's family in Jesus' name, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And there we begin our partnership. Not an equal partnership. God's part, our part. But a partnership of beginning to transform our character from the inside out so that we might be a little more like Jesus, a little more Jesus witnesses in the places we are and the places we go, even to the very ends of the earth. So my point here today is that God has a purpose for your life. But it doesn't start at purpose. God starts at forgiveness. God starts at forgiveness. That Jesus Christ through his broken body and shed blood offers forgiveness to any and all who will receive it. You are invited to come and be reconciled to God in Jesus name. You are invited to come into the wide open arms of God and be made new through the sacrificial love of Jesus. And when you receive that, as we talked about last Sunday, when you receive that, then starts the wild ride of a whole new purpose. The purpose of being empowered by God the Holy Spirit to be a minister, a messenger, a witness, an ambassador for Jesus Now, you may say, I don't even know what to do, how to start on all that. Well, just remember how the Holy Spirit is going to develop this within you through showing you the grace and truth of the scripture, through comforting you in your weakness, through giving you gifts, making you aware of those gifts, and changing your heart and mind to want to use those gifts for their primary purpose, which is to point people to God, to let people taste now a little bit of the hope that is to come. And to point people to the hope they can find in Jesus. And that you have found in Jesus. But all of this sits within the framework of what the Holy Spirit is doing deep inside us. is character transformation. Making us a little less like what we used to be. And a little more like Jesus. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. We'll dive into those in the weeks ahead. But my question I'd like you to reflect on here at the end is this. In light of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit can do, what do you hope for yourself? And what do you hope for your one more person? That person that God has placed in your life, who is asking God-sized questions. And for whatever reason, won't tune into this, You're the minister God has sent to them. In light of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit can do, what do you hope for yourself and what do you hope for your one more person? And if you wonder if the Holy Spirit can really use somebody like you, uh, just think about those original disciples. (laughs) You have somebody like Peter who abandoned Jesus in his darkest hour Who goes on to lead the church. You have somebody like Thomas. Who we know of for doubting. But if you ever go to the southwestern coast of India. You will run into some churches down there. And if you ask them how their church started. They will say Thomas started it. That's what tradition tells us. Is that Thomas went to India. And we can find churches today. That point to him as their founder. That's not because Thomas was great. That's not because Peter was great. It's because they were empowered. By God the Holy Spirit to do amazing things, to be witnesses, to point people to Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and thank goodness to the ends of the earth. Let's pray together. Let me give you a chance to pray, a chance to talk to God, to listen to God about whatever he's stirring up in your heart or in your mind. Just take a quiet moment for personal prayer. Lord, I thank you that you've made us for a purpose. And I thank you that it is not primarily our responsibility to realize that purpose. But that you have given us the gift of God the Holy Spirit to empower us forward and to live purposeful lives in Jesus' name. So, Lord, I pray for those of us who are in the midst of growing into that purpose, that we will not lean into our own strength, but into the strength of God the Holy Spirit every day, and maybe especially in this time where our own resources and abilities are coming to an end. Lord, I pray for those of us who are not really at the purpose stage, we're more at the forgiveness stage. Lord, I pray you would open our hearts and our minds to receive in the free gift of being reconciled to you in Jesus' name, of not having to be afraid or ashamed to be with you, but to be welcomed into your arms as your child. May we take that step today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to worship with our voices, also with our offering and prayer requests. Remember to send your prayer requests to DavidsonPrayer at lakeForest.org to go online to LakeForce.org slash give to give any tithe or offering. We love you guys. Let's worship together.